Well, that felt good. Actually, it felt awesome. Welcome, Bird Gang. There's nothing quite like beating the Seahawks, especially at home, given how rare it's been. On today's show, game balls. There were four handed out last night by head coach Cliff Kingsbury. We've got a couple more. Players that certainly deserve the attention. Also, it was a very physical game. The bye week is coming at the perfect time. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 339, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So much to like, MJ. Where do you begin in a game like that where 60 minutes is not enough? You ride the roller coaster. First half, not good. Second half, very good. And at the end of the day, the Cardinals finally get that monkey off their shoulders, beating the Seahawks at home. Well, I'll start with, you know, Russell Wilson, because let's be honest, I mean, he's been, he's been the thorn in the side, um, at least in State Farm Stadium, over the years. And then you look at his numbers going into the game, 19 touchdowns and only three interceptions. I mean, we're talking about a nice little sample there, even though they're coming off a of bye week. And the fact that he made some mistakes, and we'll, we'll go through some of the particulars. And on paper, you could say Kyler Murray outplayed him at the end. Uh, they got the victory, and that's impressive. But just the fact that he made some mistakes, you normally don't see that from Russell Wilson. And then just all the, the ebbs and flows of the game, you know, just Cardinals falling behind. And then, you know, obviously uh, they made some adjustments at halftime, according to Kingsbury. And the fact is um, – you know, uh, the Cardinals held them to seven points, um, and, and that's really impressive considering they were down by ten. Seven points and less than 200 yards in the second half and overtime combined, considering the Seahawks had 377 yards and 27 points at halftime. But to your point about Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, Murray out wilson Russell Wilson in that contest and there are so many different numbers here bird gang but a couple I do want to point out just on how how unique Sunday night football was for the Arizona Cardinals and really any NFL team one prior to last night NFL teams trailing by 10 or more points with under three minutes left in regulation had lost 255 straight games and the Cardinals trailed 34-24 in that contest and certainly did not look good. And yet here they are with their first win of the season against the Seahawks at home. And then with Wilson, he had been 30-0 and when leading by 10 or more points at halftime in the regular season. Now 30-1. and yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, that was the biggest surprise for me. Um, but again, uh, you got to give the Cardinals credit. I mean, uh, Vance Joseph, um, you know, I know a lot of people and a lot of uh, wasted hot air was was spoken. Uh, and, and I get it. I mean, you're only judged on what you do in the field. But, you know, the fact is they have better personnel. They're winning games. Craig, you know how I feel about going on losing streaks. You know how hard it is to win in the NFL three in a row? 
because normally you don't host three in a row. And the fact that the Cardinals went to New York, okay, then they went to Dallas, and now they're hosting Seattle. So two of those three wins were on the road. And this team has been more successful on the road than they've been the previous years. Um, in the conference, they got four wins. They're two and zero in the division, which is remarkable. Um, even if you go four and two, I still think you're so. Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's interesting, and I thought it was a signature win. And I think you know when you look at this offense, and we keep hearing they're leaving plays on the field. Um, it's good to see that the national media now is going to have to talk about the Cardinals. We always say, well, they don't they don't get the best broadcasting crews. Well. They had the number one crew in the last two weeks. Now, circumstances dictated that, but they showed up and, uh, you know, give those 1,200 or a few Seahawk fans. But that was the biggest difference for me. We didn't have that Seahawk crowd because momentum shifts in the way they played in the stadium there. Uh, they benefited from those fans where, you know, Cardinal fans were losing, so it's hard to, to cheer your team on. There were a few Seahawk fans. Yeah. Not a lot, but there was a small percentage, and that was to be expected. But Let's go back to what we discussed last week, and I believe it was your phrasing, force everyone's hand as far as getting the national media to talk about this team. And last week, it was, oh, what's wrong with the Dallas Cowboys? And you couldn't have any discussion about the Cardinals. That's not the case here on this Monday, October 26th. The talk is what Kyler Murray did, what Vance Joseph did defensively, and the problems that the Cardinals provided to the Seahawks. And now, 5-2, and two, pinning that first loss on Seattle. Hey, they're second place in the division. Things look very, very good right now. 5-2 and two at the bye week, and with more wins on the road than at home through these first seven games. Yeah, and we pointed out last night on, on the postgame show, they've already reached their win total, and that didn't happen until late December when they beat the Seahawks. So it's it's just kind of an irony or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't mean to be redundant, but you know how I feel. It's like scratch out at least five home wins. Now I'd love to sit here and say go 8-0, no, but that's not realistic. Uh, other teams come in with momentum, et cetera, better, better teams. And then I say scratch out some road wins and make sure you take care of business in your division and your conference. And unfortunately, we're going to look back at the Lions and Panthers, but you know the Cardinals right now are, would be a six seed, and you know, and they, um, you know, would have to go on the road to a division uh, to a team that won the division. Getting ahead of myself, but I'm just saying it's so important to stack wins, avoid losing streaks, and take care of business at home and scratch out some road wins. And the fact that they already have three is really impressive. 37-34, the final in overtime. By the way, that's the only time last night that the Cardinals had a lead. And when Zane Gonzalez had that ball go between the uprights as time expired, so literally the Cardinals never led until there were zeros on the clock. That's that's the hole that they dug themselves, being down 10 nothing with six minutes to go in the first quarter, and they kept climbing and climbing, sometimes falling back, climbing and climbing until they finally get over the edge and completely out and now able to celebrate a victory. You know, normally during the game, I'll go to uh, my app and I'll go to ESPN GameCast, and at the bottom of it, it shows you win probability. And when they're and, – and it's different. I'll do it for other games just, you know, like I did it for the Chargers last week. You know, it's just kind of like – because, you know, I'm learning more about analytics, but the fact is that 
when it was 27 to 17 and less than three minutes ago in the game, it was almost like 97%. And last week, this guy put out a meme with a guy running, like a little emoji on the, the win probability and just fell off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, really. I mean, it's just something when they play this team. What was the word that, you know, the Arizona media, you use it a lot. Um, it's just weird. <laughs> That's the only way to explain this, whether it's at State Farm Stadium or yeah. Century Link Field. These two teams, we know home field advantage doesn't exist with or without fans. And it just seems like they bring out the best in each other and sometimes the weirdness of it all. Yeah. Because, you know, listening to Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley, that entire first half, the Cardinals had no business even being in the game trailing by his only 13 points and that's only two scores that's two possessions two drives yet it felt so much bigger as far as a deficit and Pash kept saying hey you know you score here you're right back into it and little by little especially in that third quarter you get that touchdown run you pulled it within three and then you fall back by 10 but the Cardinals were never out of it it didn't always feel that way but they put themselves in position to pull out a very improbable win if you look at the totality of the entire contest. Yet at the end of the day, you know, there's a couple plays here or there. They go the other way. What are we talking about here on this Monday? It's not a victory Monday. We're dissecting the Monday and going, oh, why did Cliff do this on fourth down? And what are you doing icing your own kicker for a game-winning field goal? Those conversations, they're still apart, but they're a lot quieter here today. Uh, we would be talking about a missed opportunity. You know, you knew what was at stake. Uh, yes, they're coming off a bye. Um, so they people say, oh, they had two weeks to prepare. You're, you're never going to get the game plan two weeks ahead. Uh, it gets stale. It's like the Super Bowl, you know. And according to CBA rules, you have to let the players off for four days, Thursday through Sunday. I'm sure they had a bonus day. Um, but they, they've had injuries, and you wonder if Jamal Adams was on the field, just like if you wonder if Chandler Jones is on the field. Is there a different outcome? So that, that's how close these teams played to the best. Um, but yeah, we would have talked about big, you know, you got to take care of division games. You got to take care of home games. It would have been the whole song and dance about is this team ready to compete at a high level? And I think they answered the bell. It is a victory Monday here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Before we kind of go back and really look at this game as far as maybe some of the unsung heroes of what happened on Sunday night football. We do want to update everyone with respect to the injuries. There were certainly a lot of them. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury on more than one occasion last night and then again today called it a very physical matchup and then added, we're glad that the bye week is happening now. Now, off the top, there are no updates as we speak here officially from the head coach with respect to how many players got hurt and what is the latest on those players. In particular, number one is running back Kenyon Drake, who left the contest with 4-12 to go, had to be carted off into the locker room, suffered an ankle injury, but right now we don't know how serious that ankle injury is. We're only left with the visual, and that is Drake very emotional, crying, and then a towel over his head as he exited the field and down the ramp into the locker room. Yeah, he was just, you know, starting to find his stride. And, uh, I, you know, I think we're all in agreement, everyone listening. And, uh, you know, 
we all think Chase Edmonds deserves more opportunities, but there is a big difference in getting the ball, you know, 12 to 15 times a game versus taking that pounding on 18 rushes. And I'll give our colleague Kyle Odegaard because Cliff wasn't going to get into the injuries. And again, they're waiting for the MRI results and then you got to make a decision. But you know, you look, you look at the depth chart, um, Chase Edmonds, uh, you wonder Jonathan Ward, but he's a rookie undrafted free agent. And then you got DJ Foster, who's, you know, kind of a skill set like Chase. He can catch the ball at the backfield. He plays on teams. And then Eno Benjamin, um, but he's kind of like Chase. So it's going to be interesting if that's the case, but we'll just wait and see. But one thing that we learned in Cliff Kingsbury's offense, you need a bell cow. He relies on a bell cow. Last year, when I go back to Zach Zenner and Alfred Morris, when they had injuries, they went by, by committee. Now Zenner was more of a third down back. Um, you know, Morris was more of an inside the tackle run guy. Uh, but you and I were talking before the show here, and I think you're exactly right. Depending on the flow of the game, down in distance, um, you know, and you're not tipping your hand what you're going to do, even though they don't throw the ball to Drake in the open field, is ride the hot hand once you start to figure things out. Now, running backs are going to tell you, I need my touches to get in the rhythm, but I think we know what Chase can do. Now it's what those other guys can provide. Uh, but hopefully Drake is going to be, uh, you know, Enough to, uh, you know, heal a little bit here in the next two weeks, and then we'll go from there based on the results. On the other side, defensively, this team lost three key players. Zach Allen got hurt, rolled an ankle in the first quarter, came back, got called for a penalty, and then had to leave the contest. Jordan Phillips hurt his hamstring, and then Jordan Hicks was not on the field the final three possessions of the Seahawks, the last one in the fourth quarter, and then both of them in overtime. He was standing, but without his helmet. Kingsbury earlier today acknowledged that, yes, Hicks was injured, but didn't specify to what extent or even what the injury was. But that is two defensive linemen plus your number one inside linebacker, your quarterback of the defense. And without those three players, this team was still able to get enough plays made defensively and get the job done so we're waiting all of this as far as what's next for this team and also do want to mention that Isaiah Irving had to be carted off and was actually put on the board to be very careful with him as far as the neck injury that he suffered late in the first half so keeping our fingers crossed right here and then once we know then we can get into the discussion of okay well next man up what does this team do certainly as we discussed the bye week could not have come at a better time considering the number of injuries and just who got hurt in Sunday night football. Yeah, what well, was fascinating uh, when Zach Allen got hurt initially was non-contact, and that's scary. Um, and then he started looking at the lower extremities, Achilles, ankle, and then he, he was checked out and he came back in the game and, you know, you know, they need him. I, I think he's more physical. I watch him in some of the drills before practice. He's got a great acceleration off the ball. He can punch. Um, I think he could be a stand-up linebacker in certain situations if you don't want to put his hand in the dirt. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal. Now, we always talk about the bye week, and Cardinals have been lucky over the last few years. Usually it was between week 9 and, or 8 and 10, which is kind of the middle of the season. I think the bye week starts in 4 and end in week 10. Um but Christian Kirk did say, I, I want to keep playing here, you know, when you win three in a row. But when we look at the roster and the injuries, um, you know, this team's been, just like any other team, they, they've been grinding. 
And so, um, you know, they do wear pads in practice. You're a lot of X amount of padded practices up until, you know, the end of the season. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it does come at a good time, but I know Kyle doesn't believe in momentum, but this team, you know, if, if, if they're exactly what we watched in the last couple of games, they should have no problem coming out of the bye week against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, Kyle Lutegaard of azcardinals.com. Do not ask him about momentum. Do not ask him about clutch. Uh, he's very all about the numbers and what they say on paper. But, uh, yeah, there are – you can always go back and forth. But to your point, you know, when you're feeling good and, and you got that rhythm going, you certainly don't want anything to disrupt it. Yet at the same time, if you're missing a lot of these players, these horses that got you this far, and all of a sudden you got to keep moving without them – that's when you're like, okay, we need to take a step back and kind of collect ourselves and get healthy. And I think that's why this week here comes at a great time. Yeah, and, you know, once once they get off the bye week, and I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, over the next couple of days before the Cardinals obviously get off of their um, bye week. But, you know, I'm sure the, the staff will self-evaluate. They look at the roster. Where can we improve? Um, what are areas of concern moving forward? Because now after this, it's a long haul. And we know when you start to get to late November and December football, it gets a little bit different, more physical. Maybe the defenses start catching up. Uh, but they're in a good spot. I, I, I think the offense can carry their water and the defense can make plays like they have in the last three games. Bird Gang, make sure you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. So we brought it up on Cardinal Talk last night, even played the exclusive audio from azcardinals.com. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury handing out game balls. There were four game balls handed out. Kyler Murray, Larry Fitzgerald, Isaiah Simmons, and Zane Gonzalez. Now, honestly, MJ, you could have given a game ball to basically everyone who suited up for that contest and even to the coaching staff as well. But for me, just didn't seem enough. There were a couple more players that I think we need to discuss because everyone knows what Kyler Murray did. Everyone knows that Larry Fitzgerald hit that 1,400-yard mark once again, helped spot the football late in the first half or, excuse me, the uh, second half. So he keeps doing all the little things, and Isaiah Simmons coming up with a big interception, perhaps the defensive play of the game, and then Zane Gonzalez with the game winner, atoning for his mistake, missing the uh, 41-yard field goal in overtime. But I've got a couple. Maybe you agree or maybe you disagree, but the first guy that I want to single out is Chase Edmonds because he had five rushes in this contest, all five after Drake left the game because of an injury, and still finished with almost 60 yards rushing. And then you factor in what he was able to do in the receiving game. Here's someone that has been a dual threat as a running back, and now, because as we talked about with Drake's injury, could very well be the featured back with this team. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to start forecasting or foreshadowing, but, you know, depending on the contract situation with Drake, um, it wouldn't surprise me if the Cardinals feel like, you know, Chase Edmonds could be part of the future. And, you know, you know how I feel. I mean, you're watching the game. And, again, I, I want to be fair to, to the process, though, because, you know, Drake is – he was averaging 17.5 uh, touches per game. Carries, actually. Carries. 
because he's not really being targeted in the passing game. And, and when he gets 20 carries per game, the team has a successful record. So you got, I mean, he was, he, he was turning in the right direction and he was treading uh, to where he was, he was getting to that second level and making these big runs. But again, I just, I, I agree with you. Uh, uh, Chase def- definitely is kind of a, I think somebody called the post game show last night and I think he better hit it right in the head. He said he's the spark plug of this offense. He had 12 total touches in last night's contest, 10, though, in second half and overtime. And in those 10 total touches, five rushes, five receptions, 124 yards. Of those 10 touches, seven went for first downs and six covered at least 10 yards. That is a playmaker. No doubt. And, you know, as you mentioned last night, he worked so hard in the offseason, and they all do. And again, I do follow a lot of these Cardinal players on social media, um, whether they're on the beach, whether it was in Florida running in the sand, uh, just getting stronger. Guys that made makeshift um, workouts in their in their garage or maybe their office. Um, Piper Murphy's in that same conversation. But you know these young guys, um, they're, they're, they they stick together. Murray, Chase, Sherfield, um, Murphy, you know Patrick and. and is more the elder statesman, and he's married and has kids. Those guys are a little bit different. But it's just when you put the work in, you get rewarded. And, you know, he's a guy that um, I just think he's really fluid. Sometimes I don't think they can see him behind the line, and he's really effective in the passing game. And, you know, we see teams weekly uh, run that uh, crossing routes and those drag routes, and I wish the Cardinals – would incorporate that a little bit more because to me it's it's a high percentage throw. Once you face the defensive back, meaning you run in front of him, it's almost a, a if you got to catch it. Unfortunately, Darrell Daniels didn't catch it. Um, he had a bad night, um, but you know you like to see that. But I just think Chase is versatile and he can bring a lot to the table. So he's got a bright future in the NFL. He had eight targets, which was the same number as DeAndre Hopkins. Both those players led the team in number of targets. And Edmonds, after the ball game, quote, you work like that for opportunities like this. Because as much as we've talked on this show about Edmonds getting more time, more opportunity, more touches, I think we've done it now twice through the first seven games this season. And every time it's because of what he's done, yet if you're giving him more touches, you're taking those touches away from a Kenyon Drake, who certainly operates when he has more touches. When you get to those 10, 11, 12 touch range, those kind of running backs, they get better as the game goes on. He's an unbelievable talent. And you think now, with or without Kenyon Drake moving forward, this team needs to find a way to get Chase Edmonds on the field, whether that's in the backfield or lined up as a wide receiver. You know, Craig, the old chicken versus the egg uh, analogy here. Quite frankly, the way this offensive line is blocking in pass protection and run protection, and Kyler Murray, we have to include him as part of the rushing attack. I don't want to say it doesn't matter because we watched David Johnson, you know, run into piles, and he wasn't breaking tackles. He, was just, he wasn't a decisive decisive uh, in his route run. And his, his, well, he's really good in route running, but his runs – but I, I mean, I'm not saying you can put anybody back there, but half the battles, obviously learning the system and then letting the offensive line do their work. And, you know, the fact that 
they're really good in pass protection, but they have vastly improved in the run game. So, you know, I don't I don't want to devalue these guys because it takes two to tango on that. It's 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 really you got to be in sync, but you got to let let your line get out and, and block for you, so you got some holes. But what Sean Coogler's done. Um, it's really plug and play. I mean, they've had different backs here. You know, again, David Johnson didn't fit their running style, and he's running the same way probably in Houston, which is unfortunate. But uh, we're focusing on the Cardinals here. But I just wonder if they can plug and play a guy. Um, they're all a little bit different, though. Obviously, you want to rely on guys that have experience and they're consistent when they get on the football field. Way to lead me into my next set of players. And if I could have a football and divide it into five, that's the offensive line because it's been the last couple of weeks, but none more than last night's 48 pass attempts by Kyler Murray. He was not sacked. He was not even hit. You have to go all the way back to 2007, December 23rd, 2007. Kurt Warner was the quarterback, 52 pass attempts. That was the last time the Cardinals allowed no sacks in a game that had at least 45 pass attempts now next gen stats went a little deeper into the numbers with respects to the offensive line protecting number one kyler murray was pressured on only one of the 48 dropbacks 2.1 percent it's the lowest rate against any quarterback in a game with at least 14 pass attempts and according to next gen stats murray's been the least pressured quarterback in the nfl this season at just over 10%. That's an unbelievable job by the offensive line. Plus, you have to give credit to Murray for his escapability, his mobility to elude the rush, elude the pressure. Yet, and we talked about it on Friday, Justin Pugh, not a big fan of the analytics and all these people that aren't in the rooms with these offensive linemen. Yet, this is incredible what these five players have done. Not world beaters. But collectively, as a unit, Justin Murray filling in for J.R. Sweezy, this is a solid, solid offensive line. You know, let's take a 30,000 uh, view here. If, if you were at to ask, a, let's go media member, because if you're covering a team, you're usually covering the league because you do play, you know, obviously certain teams every single year. When they think about the Cardinal offense, do you think it's still the air raid offense because they like to go four wide? And that's and that and that really is misleading. This team, if they had their choice, they would run the ball 60% of the time and run and throw it 40%. Now, obviously, if you're trailing, you can't do that. But for us that follow the team and watch the team closely, they're for, first a running football team. You know how I feel. Passing league, but the run sets up the pass. They have the number two rushing offense in the league. I'm going to say it again. They have the number two rushing offense in the league, which goes against everything when Cliff Kingsbury first arrived on the scene, that it was going to be four wide, five wide. We're just going to throw the ball every single down, no matter what the distance is or where we are on the field. And that's not been the case since week five of last season. Yeah, and I don't know what Sean Kugler's making, but I'm sure he's one of the highest paid offensive line coaches in football. What a great hire. And, you know, I, 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 I trust Vance Joseph. But again, uh, you know, he's putting players in position to make plays. Last night, putting Tanner Vallejo in there. 
And Cliff's had Tanner Vallejo doesn't get a lot of reps in practice. He's just he's that steady guy. Um, not going to really fill up the stat sheet. But Cliff said today that if he doesn't make that stop, the game's over. And so I, I don't know where you're going next, but let's talk about some of the guys on defense then. You're doing great here on this Victory Monday. You're, you're, you're giving me one assist after another because Tanner Vallejo and the defense is where I was headed next, and specifically Vallejo. The play in question you're mentioning, third and two at the Seattle 34. Carlos Hyde, and this is fourth quarter. Carlos Hyde stopped the game by Tanner Vallejo, who had three tackles on that drive, and that's because Jordan Hicks was not in the contest. Vallejo finished with three tackles, playing 18 snaps. So you're talking about next man up, someone that we haven't talked a lot about, someone who's more known for his special teams play, did get a run at inside linebacker late last season because Hassan Reddick just was not able to handle that position. And here he comes at a moment's note, and all of a sudden, all you know, Vallejo gets a tap on the shoulder. Hey, get out there. Biggest point of the ball game, you can argue, right there. And he comes up with the huge stop to get Seattle to punt the football. Cardinals take over at their own 20 with 52 seconds left, no timeouts. And Kyler Murray does the rest to put Zane Gonzalez in position to kick the game-time field goal. You know, I can't remember. It may have been Seth Joyner uh, when he was playing here. And uh, he was the guy, you better make sure you knew what you are asking him when he went to his locker. Because it was like Buddy Ryan, uh, West Coast, and they love Buddy. I get it. Clyde Simmons, Andre Waters, Terry Hogue. But he said sometimes when you look at a team, you're only as good as your backups. Now, we always talk about next man up. We know that you're not going to replace Chandler Jones, but they're doing that by committee. And Vallejo, really smart football player. Um, tough. You got to see the way he practices in the open portion, hitting the bags. You could see, and again, he doesn't get a lot of reps. So I, I tend to agree with that. You know, you're only as good as your backups because we know it's a physical sport. And it's a lot of guys are not even 100% right now, let alone going through some nicks and, and bruises and maybe some or more severe. So this is what Steve Kime and, and you got to get the coaching staff because again, the staff goes to the scouts in the front office and said, this is our wish list. This is who we think can play in our system. And then they bring him in, and now you got to coach him up. You know, you, this is what you wanted. It may, be, it may be player A or B or C that they get, but this is what you wanted. And so coaching matters. I mean, David Rye and uh, Jerry Sullivan, we don't talk about them enough. I mean, I, I don't want to see Andy Isabella drop a ball like that. It's, it seems like he was making progress, but now when they throw it to him, like, he better catch it, you know. Because he's part of that when they go four wide. And obviously, I think Christian Kirk brings a different element to this this team. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think sometimes you're only as good as your backups. And Justin Murray's a prime example. And Josh Jones is getting a little run there. Well, you look at Vallejo and not the most athletic. He certainly doesn't measure up to an Isaiah Simmons, who certainly is a specimen. But Kingsbury used the word instinctive when talking about Vallejo, and that's just a matter of study. That's a matter of experience and knowing where you're supposed to be because you've watched the other team's offense. You know their plays maybe better than they know them themselves, and you can be in position to make the tackle as he was able to do 
on that third and two stop. Sometimes instincts, and that's hard to measure. What do we hear from Steve Kahn when he's trying to evaluate players? You don't know what's in their head, and you don't know what's in their heart. You can look at film and know, oh, this guy runs this 40, or this guy benches this much weight, yet what Tanner Vallejo, and there are a lot of players across the league that have survived with less than five-star talent, if you will, and have made a great living at this game that we love. Look look at Zeke Turner. When I look at his physical attributes, I'm surprised that he doesn't get a little run there. But again, they went out and spent good money on Campbell. He's played well. He's, he's, he's had some missed tackles, but it happens. Hicks has had some missed tackles. But I look at Zeke Turner, and look what he's carving out. And they go back to Vallejo. The Cardinals claimed him last year when they had that first waiver claim. And, you know, besides uh, Jonathan Bullard, who I noticed on the uh, Seahawks side last night, um, Charles Washington, Godot Chuck, um, you look at Kevin Peterson, Tanner Vallejo. Um, so, and again, the Cardinals had Vallejo in before, and they brought him back. So it's nice to see some guys get some success, but I, I definitely think he deserved a game ball. Um, and I know Isaiah, that's probably more of a confidence thing, but he did make an, an athletic play. Um, quite frankly, the rec- receivers didn't had any idea uh, that Russell Wilson was being pressured. Usually when that happens, you have a hot rot. In other words, you just cut off your route and turn around. Nobody had their head turned around to see the ball coming. Um, But he made the play, and that's the beauty of being in the right spot at the right time. Uh, I thought his eyes were perfect, and the fact is he was able to possess the ball and then try to get a couple yards. So that's something he can definitely build from. Quick note on Simmons getting the game ball, and if folks haven't seen the video, go to azcardinals.com because I think it shows just how much his teammates appreciate Isaiah Simmons and the work that maybe we don't know about off hours, off the field, learning, trying to work his way out onto the field and yet really hasn't found a home. He only played five defensive snaps, and number five was that interception that he had last night but the joy and everyone cheering and laughing they were so happy for Simmons to finally show up if you will they see it but now they understand that the fans can recognize the work and the talents of an Isaiah Simmons yeah and you know I I know players they're going to give the player the benefit of the doubt when you ask questions about them and a lot of times you're better off asking the head coach because you know we all see what's going on. But every time we ask about him, whether it was Hicks or Campbell, they said he, he's a guy that's willing to learn, like he's putting the time in. And then Patrick's, I guess I read a quote from Patrick. He said to him, hey, just be ready for your opportunity. Just be ready. And here he was ready. And if Hicks is in the game and the way Vallejo was playing, maybe maybe um, Simmons isn't at the game night because technically the game is on the line. But – I, th- I think when you look at it, that's got to be a huge confident boost for him saying, I can make plays. I may not make every play, and I may not get the opportunities. Um, but when, I always say when you get your opportunity, you better make that bell ring. And he was able to ring that bell last night. Kingsbury on Simmons, quote, you saw tonight the ability he has and to make that play in that situation was huge. It will do wonders for him moving forward, end quote. And I think that speaks a lot. One more player I want to single out, and we always talk about five-star players showing up, and this is a five-star player, did not get a game ball, but 
we talk about Patrick Peterson and there's maybe being a little bit of a love hate relationship with number 21 of the last couple of seasons. I'm just as guilty as the fan base because you get frustrated sometimes with Peterson on what he does, what he says. Yet he has shown up now in each of the past two weeks, Monday night football and Sunday night football, what he was able to do to the Cowboys wide receiver core, whether it was Amari Cooper uh, or CD lamb. And then last night, how many times did we talk about DK Metcalf and this, the explosiveness that he has when he catches the ball? It's the deep shots. It's the run after the catch. 22 and a half yards he averaged per reception, which was tops in the NFL. Yet he only had two catches on five targets for 23 yards. And I'll reference next gen stats one more time. They accounted for Patrick Peterson shadowing Metcalf on 42 of 49 routes. And Peterson allowed one catch for six yards with an interception on four targets. Yeah, going into the game, Hopkins was averaging like 100.2 yards per game, and he was at 99. Um, he's been their go-to guy. I mean, I don't know if they win that previous game without him. Um, he did have a big drop. I think Lockett had a big drop at the end of the game. Uh, previously against the Vikings, I want to say. But, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's just, I mean, I, like I said, I I just like, and I asked Cliff, and he didn't really elaborate, but it just seems like from week one, different guys step up that we don't talk about. But Patrick Peterson, obviously, he's he's got to shut down that number one guy every time. But I'm glad you brought up the last couple of games. And, uh, you know, they've only given up. Two 100-yard games to wide receivers this year. That continues. Um, they well, actually up, now Lockett has became Lockett, number three. and then they did give up a quarterback over 300 yards, and that wasn't going to last forever. And I thought going in, once you get to bigger competition, and he's talking about the MVP of the league, and and Lockett's probably one of the most underrated players in the league. I mean, this, what he does. I mean, Doug Baldwin was, was a bad man when he was there, and Lockett's kind of taken that baton. Tough, runs great routes. And probably the, you know, the guy they trust the most, uh, besides Metcalf, along down the lines. But yeah, give Patrick Peterson credit; he's motivated. Um, I know this is the uh, the revenge tour, um, but I like the fact that he stacked, you know, really game. Uh, I, w- I would say the last three games, and I want to say it was Crowder um, got some some receptions, but at that point it was junk time. Uh, they were just trying to, you know, pad Joe Flacco's stats. They weren't even trying to run the ball; they were throwing it. So, yeah. And, and they're a much better team, not stating the obvious, when Patrick Peterson's playing at a high level. And you know what's even better? Physicality. He he went down and, and, and had a couple tackles. And normally, you know, a lot of DBs, uh, maybe it starts with Dion. Um, and Nias at times, uh, they had a matador defense. They, they just wanted to kind of slow you down. But he put his nose in there, and, and he made some good tackles last night. So that's really encouraging, the fact that, again, Everyone has to put their hand in the pile, and you're starting to see that because when you're winning, you feel like you're contributing. Four tackles, an interception, and two passes defense for Peterson last night. And, of course, the uh, Peterson haters are going to point to the first play of the ball game. Tyler Lockett beats Peterson for a 34-yard reception, and then there was the second Lockett touchdown against Peterson, 47 yards. But if you really want to look at that play and really examine and take an unbiased view, One, Peterson had great coverage. Two, unbelievable catch by Lockett. Three, an even greater throw by Wilson. 
And I don't know how many quarterbacks in the league that would even attempt that throw knowing that 21 is covering their best wide receiver. Yeah, and I don't know what coverage they're in. I really don't. Um, you know, again, I don't like when guys point to, to another player. I mean, Kerry Rhodes did that, and that didn't go well in the locker room. You don't want that. I mean, and you shouldn't show up a player on the field. You can do it on the sidelines, you know, out of sight, out of mind, so to speak. But, yeah, I like I said, I, I, I just know how motivated he is. And, and, and again, uh, we didn't even say Jalen Thompson, but that's secondary. You get Banjo out there and Buddha. Deontay Thompson, he's another guy that's vastly improved, not afraid to tackle. Um, you know, there's times he's going to give up some plays, but hopefully everything's in front of him. But, you know, I really like that secondary. They're settling down, and you've got to give Marcus Robertson and uh, Greg Williams credit back there because uh, it's all about technique. We listen to Byron Murphy. And, you know, Kirkpatrick, he got picked on last night, and he, he's been dealing with some injuries. He's missed a little bit of practice time. Um, but I like the way he plays. He's physical. He's got some swag to him. He's not going to back down from any matchup. And I think that's contagious with those guys in the secondary. Well, as we hear from Vance Joseph all the time, and it was all of last year when we kept harping on the tight end, and he looked he like, look, you can't stop everyone. Yet what the Cardinals did last night is you held the Seahawks ground game in check outside of Russell Wilson. But how many of those runs were because he had no one to throw to and he was trying to make something out of nothing? DK Metcalf was a non-factor. So you look, all right, well, that leaves Tyler Lockett. Certainly did go off 15 catches for 200 yards and three touchdowns. But this is the number one scoring offense with arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. I didn't expect this defense to shut out Seattle or hold them to 10 points or even 20 points. This was going to be a shootout, and it was. The Cardinals' defense allowed Seattle to score on five of the first six drives. Five of the first six. They only had one touchdown, one score on their last six drives of the game last night. So you talk about a tale of two halves, that's your tale right there. Well, we were hoping for a shootout in Dallas, and obviously the Cardinals held up to their end of the bargain. And we pointed out you're going to have to be able to run the football, um, protect the ball, and try to eliminate some of those chunk plays. But um, when you look at it overall, I mean, the fact is that, you know, when you when you win the turnover battle, I mean, in the way that the Cardinals were moving the ball, um, that that – to me is, and we we've been on the other side this year. When you when you turn the ball over, you're probably not going to win. And the history says if you're minus three, um, probably got a maybe a 10 percent, 20, 15 percent chance of winning. So turnovers and, and they come in bunches. And this team over the last couple of weeks, they have their first in turnovers. Bird gang, make sure you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rays, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. MJ, we covered a lot of ground, yet I only think we scratched the surface with respect to last night's contest. Uh, one more stat because you brought it up and it reminded me with respect to the takeaways. Russell Wilson, three interceptions through five games, three interceptions last night alone. He had attempted 251 consecutive pass attempts without an interception 
against the Cardinals at State Farm Stadium before he was picked off by Buda Baker in the second quarter. Yeah, like I said, it, it, it's kind of like the Rams and Cardinals uh, since Sean McVay's there. Somebody's been the hammer and somebody's been the nail. Hopefully that changes. But I think the uh, with the Seahawks and is it the 49ers are playing soon here. So, you know. Correct. Um, yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, I, I, I just think um, – when you're able to, you know, control uh, certain areas of the game, uh, it's really going to help. But I, I, I'm I'm just amazed, like, how well this team runs the ball. I mean, I really am, Craig, but we'll stay on focus here. But there were so many little ebbs and flows of that game. Now, Clinsbury is taking responsibility um, for the, um, the timeout. What were your thoughts? Do you think they – should have went for it, or do you put points on the board and then taking points off the board? Now, I thought, in, in, in listen, Passion Wolfley, and, and listening to Passion on local radio today on 98.7, some of his highlights, he's fantastic. But I, I thought Wolf brought up a really good point. Instead of settling for the field goal, it's harder to get a touchdown. And that was an excellent point because they're like, you take the points. Because the touchdown, you got to go. You got to go the length of the field. At least on a field goal, you could probably try to get a forty or forty-eight yarder, like they did. Um, so that that I mean, again, I think play calling is is a little misleading. If if we know the end, we we know the results. It's hindsight, but it's all about execution. But uh, there were a couple, you know, plays you're thinking, all right, what are they thinking here in certain situations based on down and distance? What were your thoughts? It's hard to take points off the board, but I agree with Ron Wolfley in that case that you want to try to get the touchdown first and foremost because you can kick a long field goal. You don't need as much time, as much yardage. Now, with you were saying about the timeout situation in overtime, it was second and 15. You had still over three minutes left to go. I get kicking the field goal early, especially if there's a bad snap. You but on third down. Hold. Yes, this was second and 15. You certainly were able to run another play. Now, I think there was some panic on the sidelines because the play clock had expired, so they wanted to get a timeout as opposed to pushing Zane Gonzalez back from a 41-yarder to a 46-yarder. Yet, maybe you do accept the penalty or you do accept it and then run a play. At the same time, there's got to be some fault to the holder as well because his eyes are on the play clock. He's signaling to the snapper, get me the ball. So there was a lot of blame to go around. Luckily, we're not dissecting that for an entire show here on Cardinals Cover 2. As Kingsbury mentioned again here today, a learning experience, and it won't happen again. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Zane Gonzalez has shown that he can make those long kicks. Now, no no kicker in the NFL is perfect. Uh, You know, 41 and 46, I mean, when they're rushing you, yeah, I mean, those aren't chip shots. So, yeah, again, you live and learn. Um, but I also think, you know, one thing about Kingsbury, he is consistent when it comes to going for that on fourth down. You're never going to roll snake eyes. I mean, if we're sitting here at the end of the season, they're 75% on fourth down. That's really good. He's an aggressive play caller. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry, Bird Gang, that's just who he is. That's who your head coach is right now. You better get used to it. Yeah, and there were certain points in the game where I I thought he had the advantage over Ken Norton. And, you know, the Cardinals, when they go to that hurry-up offense or up-tempo, not necessarily, you know, getting on the ball. Now, there are times they'll do that because you don't want to obviously substitute. You don't want to bring in different personnel. They're getting winded. 
at the end of the game. Just we've seen it now numerous times. Uh, just based and the Cardinals ran a ton of offensive plays, ton of them. Cardinals ran 81 plays. The Seahawks 82. Yeah, and and that to, and that and that's what happens when you play 70 minutes. You know, I mean it's it's not an extra quarter, but it's a couple extra possessions on both sides of the ball. So. Yeah, I'm sure those guys are not feeling really well, but um, when that eight comes up, they're going to say, we won the game. Well, we're feeling great here on Cardinals Cover 2 because we're talking about a win heading into a bye week, and that certainly beats the alternative because otherwise it would have been a long week, two weeks, heading into that uh, Miami contest in week nine. Well, it's just you want to you want to show your players in the locker room that, hey, we they can compete with any team. And you know, I know the Niners are banged up. But look how the Niners are playing. They don't look like they're missing a beat. All those injuries, they went on a road and beat them in Week One, and then to get a quality win at home against a very good team, the only unbeaten team in the NFC going into that game. And they were, you know, he's probably the MVP. You know, we'll wait and see because you don't win the MVP in September and October. You win it in November and December. And I think Carson Palmer will attest to that. And Cam Newton was having that great year. So, um, but yeah, I mean. Again, if you'd have told me he was going to turn the ball over three times, I would have said, when? I would have said, you talking about both games combined? One here and two up there or vice versa? I did not see that coming. And to me, um, he made some mistakes we normally don't see from Houdini. And the Cardinals capitalized. And right now they are 2-0 inside the NFC West without question, the toughest division in all of football. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We will certainly have a lot more to say throughout the week about this contest and, of course, about the division itself through Week 7 heading into Week 8. Special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Realu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.